Hello and welcome to another episode of Sport Tay. As always, I'm your host who puts the Tay in Sport Tay, Taylor. And on the other side of the panel is our regular co-host, Hayden. Great to be here again, Tay. Speaking to us today is Hawthorne Gun number 22, Luke Bruce. Since making his debut in 2011, Luke has played 208 games for the club. A two-times All-Australian and three-times Premiership player, Luke was the Hawks' leading goal kicker in 2018. What hasn't this guy done? Welcome to the show, Luke. On the weekend, obviously, Jared Ruffhead, he played his last game for the club. How was it playing in that? Because I heard a couple of the boys at the club saying that it was one of the most emotional and one of the best days of footy they've been involved in. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, the, I guess the cheers in the first quarter for Ruffy and whenever he went near the ball or, or when he slotted those couple of goals was for a crowd of 31,000 or whatever it was, was pretty amazing the noise that was coming from the from them. That was obviously great. The recognition of his career at the two-minute mark of the second quarter was also, I guess, another bit of an emotional point in the game as well when you sort of try and, as much as you focus on the game, you sort of sit back and reflect on his career and, and what he's done for our great club. And the way it all panned out, it was probably, a, I guess you'd call it a fairy tale finish for him and yeah, he couldn't have went out on a better note, kicking six goals and pretty much being best on the ground. So you've played alongside Ruffy for your whole career, winning three premierships with him. How special has it been? Yes, yeah, oh, it's been awesome. He's on and off the field. He's probably one of the most genuine blokes that you'd, you'd come across in football. And he's such a team man. He's so selfless in the way he plays as well. Like He's obviously a pretty special talent himself in terms of being able to catch the footy and kick goals and... Some of his agility and hands in and around congestion are obviously right up there with the elite players in the game. But from my point of view, to be able to crumb to him for most of my career has been, or it's made my job easier anyway. So whether he marked it himself or I knew exactly where the ball was going so that I could then run my patterns on the ground level. Off field, being like a big brother to me when I first got to the club, just, I guess, showed me the ropes and taught me the Hawthorne way and what's expected of me. And yeah, just so crucial in in all my development and a number of other players along who, who sort of came through with me as well. Obviously, Ruffy is not playing this week. Was that always the plan for him to play last week as his last game, or was that a surprise when he opted not to play this week? Uh, I, I guess the plan was to, to always end up getting him a, that farewell game, and I think he'd spent so much, I guess, physical energy and emotional energy on making sure that he was, his body was right for that game and he was in a, a good enough mind space to to be able to play that game and, and perform really well. So for it to go the way it did and, and end up being so perfect, I guess you'd call it, then I don't think there was any... There was no upside in being able to play this week. Whether he came out this week and played really well again or he played poorly, I don't think the narrative would have been as good as what it is. So I think that's more the reason why he won't play this week and he's happy to call, call time on his career after Sunday. You said that he was a bit of a mentor for you when you got there showing you the Hawks way. Who do you think it is now that sort of steps up as that sort of mentor? Or are there already a couple guys there that sort of act as mentors for the younger guys? We're probably pretty lucky that when I was drafted to Hawthorne at the end of 2008 that they'd just come off a premiership and, and had a number of guys who you could just sit back and watch the way they go about their business and, and just learn from them by the way they go about it. So fortunately for me, that was your Hodges, Roughheads, Lewis's, Semi Mitchell, guys like that. So at the moment, it's more like your Ben Stratton's, obviously the captain of the footy club. The way he goes about it and prepares for footy is, is first class. And then you throw in the likes of Gunston, Smith, Shields, O'Meara, McAvoy, they're sort of all our leadership group. And you sort of can't really go wrong in, 
in terms of modelling yourself off one of those and what they can bring to the table in terms of preparation and then obviously on game day as well, their, their role on field as well. Let's talk about this weekend. You're currently sitting in ninth position on the ladder. You're just outside the top eight. A lot of things have to go right this weekend for you guys to sneak into the eight. How does the group feel about your chances of playing finals? Yeah, so I guess the good thing about this weekend is that it's pretty much within our own hands in terms of our destiny. We have to win to be able to make it. It's not like the Western Bulldogs play before us or anything like that, so we won't know the result of that game before our game. So we have to prepare like it's a final and that we have to win. If we don't win, then there's no way that we can jump the Western Bulldogs on points. So our focus is obviously clearly on that game, and if we are fortunate enough to get the chocolates, then you sort of put a keen eye onto that Western Bulldogs game on, on Sunday afternoon. So you've had a huge week, Ruffy's last game on Sunday, and then also this week. What's the vibe like at the club? Fortunately for us, it's a six-day break. So I think if you spoke to most people in a footy club, although it is a six-day break, most players seem to like six-day breaks because you end up not training as much. There's probably not as many meetings. There's probably not as many review meetings from the last opposition. So it's probably a chance to freshen up a little bit, give yourself a clear head and attack this Saturday night with some real energy. So... I think we've done that really well. We had a great session today on the track and we're looking forward to getting on the plane tomorrow morning to get over to Perth and attack these Eagles on on Saturday night. Going back to a bit earlier in your career, Luke, obviously you had the three-peat there from 13 to 15, but you also had that losing grand final in 2012. How does it sort of impact on you mentally and how long does it take you to get up and, and prepare and get to a level again where you can have another tilt at a flag after losing a grand final? Yeah, it's a great question. We probably personally, there's been a couple of motivations in my career. I got dropped for the second semi-final in 2011. So that probably gave me motivation for season 2012. And then, as you said, you come off a, a losing grand final side in 2012. So it's quite easy to get yourself up and get motivated for the 2013 season. You obviously have to be quite smart about it. You can't think that in the next three or four weeks after you lose the grand final that that's where you're going to win the next one. It's probably more about taking a calculated approach and sitting back, relaxing, letting your body recover, take the time out of the game for probably three to four weeks and then start your build-up from there. And fortunately for us, during that period, as you said, 13, 14, 15, our group was able to do that really well. We we know that we can't win the premiership before Christmas, but at the same time, you can, cert- you can certainly lose it with your attitude in terms of what you're eating and drinking and the shape that you come back to pre-season in. So our group was sensational and first class in terms of coming back in a, in a pretty good standard, which allowed us to attack every one of those seasons with a real strength at the start, which gives you the best opportunity to, to make top four and then go on deep into September. You then ended up winning it 2013, 2014 and 2015. Do you think it makes you appreciate it more? I think it does. To be honest, if we had a 112, then I wouldn't say that we wouldn't have gone on to win three, but I definitely think it would have made it a lot harder. No one in our club had ever been in a losing grand final in terms of players, so to to have that feeling and that burning desire in your, deep in your belly of really losing one and working so hard as a group to then fall short by a couple of kicks was, was so disappointing. So I think it did help with our motivation going into those following years and we definitely look back on it like you, you take our opponent in the 2014 grand final, the Sydney Swans, and they were the ones that beat us in that 2012 grand final. So to go up against them again and get a bit of a crack at redemption against them was, was even more motivation for us and everyone was just so eager to perform and, and play well on that day and get one back on them. Obviously, or well, I assume that winning a grand final never gets old, but with the second and third of that three-peat, what are the differences between them? Does your view on it change or your preparation or your excitement levels? 
I probably learned the most in terms of preparation from the first one. So 2012, my preparation going into the game was completely fine, but I found myself not being able to sleep the night before, as, as you can imagine. And the biggest lesson I learned from that was from our fitness coordinator at the time, Andrew Russell. He sort of said that not to worry about if you're not sleeping or not, but as long as you're in your bed and you're resting, then that's okay. And that was sort of the mindset I had for the for the rest of the grand finals, and it helped me sleep so much better, and I could sort of relax a little bit. So from a preparation side of things, that was very important. The other thing that we got told, fortunately, from the guys who'd been there in 2008, was to embrace the week. It's a completely different week in footy, and all sorts of things get thrown at you in terms of media and the parade and... The whole week is just completely different. Even pre-game at the, at the ground, there's so much going on that if you you get distracted by that or get caught up in all of it, then your mindset's probably not in the right spot. So fortunately, we had some pretty good mentors that could lead the way in, in terms of embracing that whole week. And then the last bit of it, in terms of getting to game day and, and performing, it changes year to year, but we are fortunate enough to have two or three changes from the side each year. So there was a clear motivating factor. 2014, I think it was... Matty Stanger and, and Will Langford, 2015, there was Ryan Schollmakers. So there was guys who were in the team that hadn't won one that it was just so special to be able to go out and perform and, and get one for them as well. So what was your favourite premiership? Does one stand out to you the most? You probably can't go past 2013. It's obviously your first one. And then as we've spoken about, to lose 2012 and then get a crack one year later to go again, especially when there's so many good players go there through their whole career and don't even get a crack at one grand final. To be able to have a crack, lose one, and then get back there the following year and, and get redemption was, yeah, it's probably my favourite, just ahead of the other two. In 2016, you guys lost to the Doggies in the semis. After winning three premierships in a row, on the inside of the club, could you feel the public desire for you guys to lose? You guys sort of became almost pantomime villains in a way? Yeah, a little bit. We're like, you try and not read into too much of that sort of stuff. The media obviously tries to paint a picture to the rest of the public of what they're trying to portray, but you try and not read into that too much. You do feel that, all right, you've had your time in the sun now, like it's time to move on and give someone else a go. So you try and not let that distract you and just go out and play footy. But unfortunately for us that year, or end last year in 2018, we've unfortunately the last two final series gone out in straight sets. So we're looking to rectify that over the next couple of years. Ben Dixon, I saw earlier this month, he's thrown your name up as a potential trade piece to bring Stephen Cornelio to the Hawks. When AFL players see that sort of stuff in the media, does that get talked about within the club or do you just completely ignore that? Yeah, so my name probably came up for the first time a few years ago when there was talk about going up to the Gold Coast. And mm. you, you, don't, you definitely don't talk about it too much within the, the four walls of the footy club. It's obviously all a lot of external noise from the media and guys in the media playing up that story. So apart from obviously then having a chat with your manager and then if there's anything that needs to be taken any further, then you pretty much allow the footy club and your manager to let that process run. But in terms of talking about it within the four walls of the footy club, it, it doesn't happen too much at all, no. And what do you make of that, your name being brought up a few times now? Uh, I guess at this point in time in, in my career, it probably gives you a little bit of confidence that they're only probably mentioning your name because there's a little bit of a value attached to me or Jack Gunston or Isaac Smith or whoever they're putting up. So you take a little bit from that. But other than that, you have to just understand that the the movement and the free agency and that in AFL these days is quite common. So um, you have to expect it. At the end of the day, you still have a choice as, as to whether you want to leave the footy club or not and whether it's going to suit you or not. So we still do have, you have some say in the issue, but at the end of the day, it's your choice and 
go from there. But yeah, we don't, as players, don't necessarily talk about it too much. In 2014, you equalled Tony Lockett's goal streak from 1995. So you kicked 29 consecutive goals without a behind. But unfortunately, you didn't break his record and missed a goal against the Adelaide Crows. Were you trying to break the record and were you aware of it? I was, I was very lucky. I didn't become aware of the streak until I was on about 22 goals straight. And we, we don't mention the four that I kicked out on the full, so they don't count at all, <laughs> luckily. But, yeah, so I, I think... If the media had jumped onto it slightly earlier, like if I was in the late teens, then I mightn't have made it to 29. But, yeah, fortunately for me, they didn't really jump on it until I was about 22 goals straight. I kicked three down in Tassie to go to 25. Then I kicked a couple against North Melbourne. And that game, I also had a couple of really wide shots that I ended up passing in board into the corridor. So I didn't want to have the shot to ruin the streak. Um, so, yeah, obviously, absolutely wrapped to be sitting alongside the great Tony Lockett and hopefully no one can get near us uh, in the near future. In that Adelaide Crow game, you actually did kick two goals beforehand. Were you thinking when you lined up to kick that goal, don't miss? Uh, it's, a, oh, it's a good question. I was trying to think back to the night. I remember I kicked two from quite close. So I think I, both were snaps or both were sort of straightforward shots at goal. And then I remember getting the set shot, which was about... 40 metres out on a 45 degree angle and I naturally have a bit of a left to right shape on my goal kicking so I started at the left post and as soon as I I hit it I pretty well or most of the time I know whether it's a a goal or not and to be honest that night the the way I hit it I thought it was was going to be a goal and it ended up holding its line and just missed the left hand side so um, (laughs) I I definitely definitely wasn't trying to miss but as I said I'm more than happy to sit, sit alongside Tony. Tony Lockett has had a song written about him, One Tony Lockett, which is performed by James Freud and the Reserves. So the song is about Lockett, who holds the record for the most goals kicked, 1,360 goals. Considering you are tying with Lockett in goal accuracy, do you hope there'll be a song written about you one day? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I'm a long way off his 1,300, so I think he's in a, in a league of his own, apart from maybe Dunstall and a couple of others that have got near him, but no. Nah, I don't think there'll be a song one day about me, unfortunately. But if you kicked that goal, there definitely could have been. Well, yeah, true. If I'd have, if I'd have jumped ahead of him in, in consecutive goals, then there might have been a, a song. But no, nah, unfortunately, I'll, I'll let him keep the songs to himself. Luke, you're in a pretty exclusive club of two people, yourself and Matthew Cruiser, whereby you get the, the bruise every time you go near the ball. Did you notice that straight away, or did it take you a couple of weeks before you sort of picked up on the crowd doing that? Yeah, I was very lucky with that. So I sort of got something similar on the radio down at Box Hill when I was playing down there. So I'm not sure whether it started down there or I'd love to actually know who started it because I'd love to thank them one day and give them a little appreciation gift because it has been pretty special throughout my career to have the crowd get behind me the way they do. So, but you see the ball coming towards you and you're about to take a mark. You're thinking, oh, here we go. I'm going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get it. it's probably more after I kick the goal that I, I get get to sit back and enjoy it a little bit. But in terms of the question you asked, I think it was my third game. We were playing Fremantle at the G and I was the sub on the day. I came on and kicked three goals in the last quarter and I took a mark with probably 20 seconds left on the clock and that was the first time that on field I had heard it properly and it does definitely give you a little little buzz and mm. a little kick along. So, so thankful for the Hawthorne faithful that they do it each week and, and obviously most grounds around Australia I get some sort of boo or, or Bruce so it's, uh, it's pretty special.
you've basically done it all. You've almost won every single award. You've got three premierships. Not many people can say they've actually got one premiership. What's next for you? Yeah, it's a good question. It's probably sit down and, and have a look where our group is at the moment. We're obviously right on the edge of finals this year. We played finals last year. We've got a, a young group that are coming through. We're getting uh, games into young guys at the moment at Hawthorne. So the next, next thing for us is to continue to educate those guys and try and pull them along as quickly as we can so that we can start heading back um, back up the ladder. And for me, personally, um, this year's probably been a little bit of a disappointment. I'm certainly down on my goal tally and, and things like that. So it'll be about in the off-season, going away, freshening up and then attacking season 2020 with a bit more and, and trying to come out and get back to, I guess, that consistent goal-kicking self that I was in previous years. If you guys do sneak into the finals this year, do you have any belief that you might be able to pull off a Western Bulldogs story this year? Oh, I think there's a definite belief there. If you can sneak in, you just got to look at the last couple of premiers and, and where they've come from. You look at, as you said, Western Bulldogs or even, even Richmond the year before. So there's belief to take from their stories and, and where they've come from on the ladder. No side outside the top four had won it for a long time. So to now have sides that can finish... 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th and, and still be a chance is, is huge for us. So if you can sneak in, then who knows what can happen. This week we also launched a new segment of ours called Ask the Athlete. So we're giving the fans the opportunity to ask the questions. So I've got a few questions lined up for you, Luke. The first one from Instagrammer. It's Kiz underscore dog. He wants to know, you've played alongside a lot of legends. Who has been the most amazing player you've played with? Oh, that is a great question. I think I'd still have to go in terms of how amazing they are and the things that they can do on the footy field. I can't really go past Cyril Rioli. Some of the things he he did at training or or on field were just quite amazing. And playing the same forward line as him and be up close to, I guess, the Cyril show, I was so lucky and and so blessed that I could see him up close and personal and, and get that front row seat as to what he was doing. So fortunately for me, I was either sometimes the one passing it to him or I was in the vicinity of, of something special that he did. So, yeah, I'd say Cyril for that one for sure. Instagrammer unofficial account of Charlie Puth said, with particular reference to Sam Mitchell, what are the dynamics like having someone on the coaching panel that you used to play with? Yeah, that's a great because I hadn't really thought about that too much and, and what impact it would have. He was obviously a great player and I love playing alongside him as well. He, he was one of the most skillful players that I've played with and Obviously, a great football brain as well. That's why he's gone into coaching. It's, yeah, it's a little bit, little bit of a different dynamic. Probably a little bit easier for us who, as you said, have played with him. So in terms of building a relationship, it was quite easy for us because we played so many years of footy together. But yeah, for younger guys and other guys in the footy club that didn't know Mitch, it's probably more about building that relationship. And I, I guess with your assistant coaches these days, it probably is more of a personal relationship than anything. You, you want to be quite close with your assistant coach because... He's always got your back and he's always watching tape with you or reviewing games and, and wants to get the best out of you. So that's probably the other side that being a forwards coach, being in the forward line, sorry, and Mitch is the midfield coach. Unfortunately, I don't have heaps to do with him, but it was great to have him back around the footy club and he's obviously someone who you can go to when you've got any type of question about any footy issue or, or what he thinks on the matter. Lily Lachelle had a pretty interesting question for you. After your grand final win in 2013, she wants to know, what was your, your meal at the end of the night after you guys would have obviously had a pretty big night? She wants to know what, what your drunken feed is. What was your meal was? That is a great question. I think we ended up going from 
Do you guys remember Eve Nightclub? Yes. Uh, so I think we went from Eve Nightclub across to the casino and we sat in the, the little food court down there. I think we ended up grabbing a, a feed of Chinese or something nice and greasy Ooh, there. That's so, real boutique. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a nice, nice feed. At the end of the night when, as you said, it's been quite a big night to get something in like that to help you recover for the next day is definitely very important. Following on from that question, we had Staz underscore Michael underscore Michaels. He wants to know, are you a Zinger or CC Deluxe type of guy? Oh, that's a great question. Um, oh, I think I have to say Zinger. Yeah. That's a great choice. I'd go there as but, well. Yeah. Last one, Lily Lachelle, again, massive Hawks I, fan. She's a massive <laughs> Hawks fan. If she you had actually... to be stranded on a desert island with one AFL player from another team, who would it be? Oh, I reckon I'd take someone like a steel side bottom, someone like a good country lad. I reckon he'd, he'd know what to do. He'd be a bit of fun, and I'd, I'd enjoy spending a bit of time with steel, I reckon. Thank you so much, Luke, for joining us today. We really appreciate it, and we can't wait to see where the Hawks go this season and also for the many seasons to come. No worries. Cheers, guys. All the best with your podcast. I love coming on and having a chat. Thanks for listening to this week's Sport Day. Stay tuned. More to come.